Hello, and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews. And thankfully, my concluding look at the Final Destination franchise with Final Destination 5 coming out in shiny 3D and D-Box that thankfully dissipated shortly after this movie came out because that D-Box was annoying as fuck. I saw this on opening a weekend after I couldn't wait to see this turkey because don't tell anyone, I love a good bad movie. And my lord, this had good bad movie written all over it, my lordy lord. So... With a budget of 40 million and pulling a pathetic 42.5 million, let's not waste any more time and jump into this final Desperation 5. Starring Nicholas DeGosco, Emma Bell, Miles Fisher, David Kochner, and Tony Todd, directed by Stephen Quayle. Are the plot? Oh god, do I have to? Not by now. A pretty young thing has a permission of a disaster under death and tries to save folk off the whatever the hell the thing is. But death stalks them and takes them all one by one. You know what by now, people? Okay, the real plot. A group of 20-somethings going on a corporate retreat end up on a bridge that collapses and kills everybody on top of it. A guy has a vision and stops us from happening. However, vengeful death wants his souls. And new plot twist, it's if they kill someone. They get their life force. Okay then. So the movie opens up on a 3D Warabar logo coming straight at us. And God, did you duck too? Because that was fast fucking great CGI there. Which transforms into the New Line Cinema logo. Then the screen smashes a Friday the 13th style as the causes of the deaths from earlier movies smash names of the actors, then burst into flames. Finally, after three and a half minutes of painful bloody titles, of this one hour and 28 minute movie, the titles stop throwing absolutely everything at us, including the bloody kitchen sink. And we're introduced to our hero, Sam, played by Nicholas DeGosco of Heroes, Fired Up, Masters of Sex and Gotham. And the first time I saw this in a cinema for half of the movie, I thought it was Bobby Campbell from the previous movie. That's how much how bland this guy actually is. Hmm. He's getting shit from his slimy Tom Cruise lookalike boss, Peter Freakin, played by Miles Fisher of superhero movie J. Edgar, the truly terrible host at the door, and Destiny 2, for putting it a good breakfast spread instead of the cheap cracker and cheese he's told him to do. As it turns out, Sam is a wannabe chef, and not a corporate guy, something Peter lords over him. Up pulls a bus to take the workers to the retreat as Sam's girlfriend, Molly, played by Emma Bell of The Walking Dead, the Dallas remake, and Frozen, no, not the kiddie movie, but the horror film, pulls up in her Volkswagen and wants to dump Sam because she fears he will go to Paris to become this top chef in a Paris restaurant. Up walks Candice Hopper, played by Ellen Rowe of multiple TV shows, including all the NCSs. Anyway, she's Peter's girlfriend. She looks about 12. In her boyfriend's shagging wagon, up pulls Olivia Castle, played by Jacqueline McGuinness Woods of Well, the Bold and the Beautiful. So she's wearing glasses, and that she hates wearing these glasses, so more on this one later. Also note, some of the characters' names are of horror icons, such as William Freakin', being Peter Freakin, Candy's Hopper being, well, Dennis Hopper, or shit, the fucking guy that done fucking Portuguese. I can't remember his name now. Bollocks. Moving on. 
and Olivia Castle being Nick Castle. Themes for playing Michael Myers. The original Michael Myers, that is in 1978. Anyway, at Walks Office Skis, Isaac, played by P.G. Byrne, of Bruce and Evan Almighty, Be Kind of Rewind, and The Wolf of Wall Street, also Big Little Liars, as he desperately has to pick up Molly, who has just recently dumped Sam seconds earlier. Firing a fence there, mate. Move the fuck away from her. How the hell would you get out of your mother's basement if you get fired from your job and can't save up money to move out? Finally, in his flashy BMW, the boss pulls up Dennis, played by David Kochner of SNL, Anchorman 1 and 2, Reno 911, Balls of Fury, Prana 3DD, Krampus, and well, pretty much every comedy since 1996. In the recycling plant, the company going on retreat. The workers are giving the new guy Nathan, played by Irene Escapada, of Friday the 13th remake, GTA 5, The Oath and the Magicians, a hard time for leapfrogging them into a power, a position of power even, after only a few weeks working there. It turns out uh, one of the guys is the rep, for the union rep rather, uh, and his name is Rory, or Roy rather. Played by Brent Strait of The X-Files, Andromeda, SG-1, and many more sci-fi TV shows. Off they go to the retreat on the stagecoach, a bus, and spot the caution construction sign with a piece of bridge removed out of it. Also, notice it's the 180 Corporate Consulting retreat they're going on to. And here it is, the start of the not-so-subtle nods to the other movies, as a logging truck loaded down with logs speeds past the bus. Finally! onto the bridge, as the bus slowly drives past the causes of deaths for people on board, including a tar truck and metal sheets. Death's wind blows into Sam's face, and so it begins. Sam pricks his thumb on his seat somehow, as outside Death sets up the deaths, first by sending a strong wind that rocks the bridge, as a construction worker is cutting a concrete which causes it to crack and fracture. In some truly piss-poor CGI, this loosens the wire cables and weakens the bridge structurally, causing it to fall into the cold waters below. With that, Sam takes Molly off the bus, followed by the others. Candice is first to die after she jumps over the rails and then falls straight onto a passing boat's mast, impaling herself on it as she slowly winds down, showing her blood and guts. Up next is Skis, Isaac, who is the only one left on a bus as he was in the toilet. He dies as the bus nose dives into, into the cold water, falling hundreds of feet off the bridge. As the bridge crumples all around them, Molly and Sam make a run for it, with Molly making it across using the unstable metal beam. Sam, however, being a hero, goes back to save Olivier, after she was left Vilmud, losing her glasses in a struggle. Molly falls off the beam after crawling halfway across, straight down into the river. She is perfectly fine until a car falls on top of her. Next is token black guy Nathan, who gets taken out by a swinging metal cable. Up next is the boss who gets a hot tar facial and then falls to his death into the icy water. Peter and Sam make it across just in time as a suspension bridge collapses right behind him, killing hundreds more people, but who cares about them? They aren't 20-something pretty people. Moving on. Peter and Sam aren't out of the woods yet, however, as seconds later a truck full of poles and metal sheets falls, speeding Peter through the face and body 
As he falls to his death and bounces off one of the concrete supports at the bottom of the bridge and dies in a bloody mess. With Peter dead, Sam is nixed as he's sliced up with a fallen metal sheet. This snaps him into the now, and yes, you've guessed it, he starts to freak out and he saves some people off the bus. So Sam takes Molly, Dennis tells Peter to go, he's followed by Candice, and finally Dennis and Nathan get off. Also, somehow, Isaac, even though he was in the toilet, having phone sex with some girl he met previously. The bridge collapses, as the people on the other side look on shocked. Sam is shown getting interviewed by FBI agent Block, played by Courtney B. Vance of Hunt for Red October, Space Cowboys, Timbs of Genesis, Office Christmas Party and The Mummy Remake. Asking how he knew the bridge would fall, Sam just tells him blankly he had a vision so Agent Block pulls a scully and doesn't believe him in the psychic visions. Agent Block then questions Peter as to if it was Sam is indeed a terrorist and why would the feds jump straight to terrorism? Screw it! Spoiler alert! Wait, this whole fucking podcast is one. This is set before the events of Flight 180, therefore before 9-11. So why does the feds think terrorist automatically? I mean, it wasn't like a bomb exploded, the, the, the bridge collapsed on itself, so... Mm. Another fed comes in to let Sam go, telling Block it was an accident due to high winds and a construction weakening the concrete on the bridge. But Block doesn't buy it and starts to stalk Sam. At the memorial for the people on the bus, and please tell me, unlike in the first movie, these aren't real names of the crew and these aren't the crews in the picture. And now the setup is over, it's on to the deaths. Not before Bloodworth, played again by the great Tony Todd, gives Sam a chilling warning he'll see him real soon. Cut to Sam, now working in a high-class restaurant as a top chef. And how the hell did he go from office worker to top chef in a matter of weeks? Kieran. Note, he works at Le Café Mero 81. Hint, 180. And God, these filmmakers have a hard-on for 180. Anyway, that night, Sam visits Molly to ask her to take him back and desperately begs to be taken back. Turns out, as I said earlier, she's scared he'll get big chef job in Paris, so she wants to end things just as friends. First to die is Candice, who is still in high school, just how old is she? Hmm. As Peter visits her and talks into doing her final routine, after she says she's not ready and feels at unease. Death sets up her death after a malfunction air conditioning unit, goes haywire dropping a screw onto the balance beam as Candice chalks up since the room is over 87 Fahrenheit and she is sweating profusely. She suddenly feels death's wind. Onto the balcony she goes as death drips water onto a fan with chewed wiring. She starts her routine as Bill misses the screw with each and every movement. She dismounts the beam perfectly as up next is the bar after she barely misses the pool of electrified water over the fan cord by dropping her towel over the top of it, hence nullifying electricity apparently. She starts off flipping and spinning on the bars, however, Death has unscrewed the top bar. Another gymnast goes on the balance beam and lands on the screw. It goes right through her hand, causing her to fall off the beam and into the chalk bowl, which is blown up into the air by the fan into Candice's face, causing her to flip off, losing control, landing in a crumpled mess with a broken back and snapped legs. And by the way, how does this second gymnast have so much pain it's a teeny tiny little screw for crying out loud and it goes right through her hands bullshit to that one anyway at the school sam shows up later that night to 
comfort Peter, but he hears none of it and walks off. It's here Sam notices Budworth standing in a doorway. The next day, at the plant, Molly is packing up the dead people's things to be shipped to their families and should not have been done weeks before the funeral. I mean, come on, really, love, you lazy bitch. Nathan comes up from a factory floor with a six-pack of beer, the same beer that's been on all of these movies since part two. Yeah, because of course you take a six-pack of beer to work with you. Really? However, never mind that. Peter pulls out a bottle of scotch from his drawer, so now it's a party! Up next to die is Isaac after stealing from his dead co-workers a gift card for a massage. As in the parlour, the slimy bastard hits on the young receptionist thinking he can get a quote happy ending offer. Too bad then, he's stuck with the old woman who runs the joint and gives him a hard, heavy Swedish massage. And fuck this shit, he's grossing me the fuck out, hurting on everything in a skirt. He dies when a Buddhist statue falls on his head, squishing it like a bloody pancake. Or a ripe grape. Back at the office, Olivia runs off to go to her appointment, and she does so. She knocks over a photo of herself, smashing the glass around her. Said photograph is taken at the same theme park as it is in part 3. So after polishing off the whiskey and beer, Peter tells others he feels guilt over Candice's death as he talked her into doing it, as she wasn't feeling her final routine. And just a minute here, Olivia has drunk quite a lot of whiskey and has two or three beers, yet she just goes to get laser eye surgery. Bullshit, they would have told her to piss off. Anyway, back at the office, Sam begs Molly again to take him back. Grow a fucking backboard, man. I'll move on. She ain't interested. Jesus Christ, pussy about too much. Anyway, Peter somehow gets told of Isaac's death, so he and others rush to the scene. Here, Sam sees Budworth yet again. Okay, the writer, producer, and or director starts to fuck with us because Budworth says he's seen this all before. A group of survivors get picked off one by one after an accident which was supposed to kill them. Yet, in the first movie, he said he's never seen anything like this before. Okay, then. I know, okay. Granted, the tech in this is old, but the company is in trouble and is closing down. Also, maybe Isaac was a hipster and liked the flip phone because it's a dumb phone and it couldn't be tracked as he was a bit of a quote player. Hence, why they can get away with this thing being set in 2000 instead of 2011. Also here, he tells them if they take someone's life, they get to keep their life force. Really? This is what you come up with after 10 years of movies? Turning this into a slasher film? Really? You kill somebody and take their life force? Oh, fuck right off. Anyway, Olivia is next, and she gets laser eye surgery to fix her eyesight. An uber-nervous Olivia lies down on the table under the laser, choking life out of some teddy bear. She feels death's wind all around her. And note, this actress had to have her eyes spread opened using this weird clamp device 26 times in a row, and fuck that. Got to say, but these are really cheap, gross-out effect deaths, such as the dentist from part two, was it? And this one, and it's all like easy, cheap, squirmy deaths. Piss off for that shite and use something more original. Anyway, the eye doctor leaves her alone after his assistant gave him the wrong file. And... Here her death is set into motion as death spills water from a water cooler onto the wire shorting out the electrics. And this is why you should have an Earth Wire America. This in turn shorts out the laser, 
sending it into overload as it cuts open Olivia's exposed eye. She screams in pain as it slices into her eye, then hand, as she tries desperately to get off the table as she's clamped with her head in a vice. She squeezes more and more into the teddy bear and it pops out its eye. As she's trying desperately to get up from the table, she gets up off the table, however, blinded in one eye, she trips over the bear's eye and takes her nose out of the window, landing on her car, where her good eye pops out and is run over by a car for good measure. The feds try to pin this on Sam, even though he was nowhere near the place when this happened. However, Sam tells him death is after them because they weren't supposed to get off the bridge. The next morning, after spending the night with Molly, Mixed singles, much love. I mean, you dump him, then you take him back and have sex with him, and then dump him. What the fuck? Sam writes down the order in which people were supposed to die. Up next is Nathan, who on the CCTV sees Rory messing around, so calls him up to chew him out. However, Rory has choice words for him after Nathan has cut his hour back. However, Nathan says he had no choice, as he had to cut everyone's hours by at least 50%. This doesn't sit well with Roy, and as a malfunctioning crane speeds towards them, Nathan pushes Roy out of the way. The crane hook falls through the scaffolding, hooking Roy under the chin after Nathan pushes him onto it by, quote, accident? Hmm. Therefore, Nathan has Roy's life. Peter goes into the office to tell Dennis, Olivia and Isaac are dead, but all Dennis can think about or care about is the fact the entire office staff is getting fired and not the factory staff, how this is painfully unfair, as it should be the other way around. Peter then warns Dennis that death is after him and just storms off down to the plant to see the trouble Nathan is in, as out of nowhere Molly and Sam show up. How the hell did they know about the death? <sighs> you know what this means, right? All the fibres are in the same place at the same time, and death will take them. And sure enough, Dennis gets a spanner to the face from out of absolutely nowhere, and it's one of these huge T-bone spanners. So that night, he freaked out Molly, and why the fuck is she freaked out? She survived the bridge. Okay, I get it, two people have died in front of her, but still, drama queen much. Warns Sam to do something to save himself, however, Sam now all of a sudden believes he is home free, as a higher power wants to keep him safe. Okay then. So, with 22 minutes left and four people to take, how will death kill them? Sam goes to work as this is his final shift before leaving to go to Paris. He suddenly notices how many ways he could be killed, i.e. open flames, knives and meat slicers, etc, etc. After surviving his shift nervously, he sits down to a romantic candlelit dinner with Molly. It's here, he tells her he took the job and is leaving to go to Paris. Ah, now she's coming with. Talk about flip-flop much. Jesus Christ, love. Pick a fucking thing and stick to it. Outside, a now insane and drunk Peter watches the happy couple have dinner. So he has to come in and goes nuts, stalking with a gun. Nuts before coldly telling them he tried to kill someone the other night, but checking out last minute as she was heavily pregnant. He couldn't do it, however, this is why he showed up to kill Molly, taking her remaining years. As they run into the kitchen, Molly hides, so Sam takes on Peter. As outside, the feds hear the gunfire and goes to check it out, with Sam knocked out somehow. After Peter shot at him with a gun, how the fuck does a bullet knock you out if it hits you in the... or oh, whatever. Molly, armed with a butter knife, takes on the mad Peter. However, it's not Peter approaching her, but the feds, as Peter fills him with bullets. 
But that's still not good enough for him, as he shoots at Molly for witnessing the murder of a FBI agent. As Molly runs off, Sam takes on the crazed Peter with a frying pan. Really? A frying pan? Of all the things to use in a professional kitchen, you pick up a fucking frying pan? Oh, God. Sam knocks the gun out of Peter's hand. It lands on the gas burners, which are on full blast, and slowly but surely melt the gun. In a fight, Peter is knocked out again. So Molly tries to save him from Peter's bloodlust as Peter's kicking the shit out of him. Molly is knocked to the ground and Peter goes in for a kill with a butcher's knife. Sam runs him through with a shish kebab prongs and he's stone dead. The gun misfires and it barely misses Sam. So he thinks he's free as the higher powers saved him yet again. Two weeks later, Sam and Molly board a plane to Paris and I'm guessing you can think where this is going. Too bad it's Flight 180, as the events of the first movie kick off. And note, this isn't a slotted in shot from the first movie, as I thought and it does indeed look like it. But according to the one piece of info I got offline about this, this was actually the original cast back for these one shot. And why the fuck would you hire them? But just put them you, whatever. Anyway, you know the story. The plane explodes, Molly sucked out of the hole at the side of the plane, and is halved in two by a wing of the plane. Sam dies screaming as the plane explodes in a fireball. As for Nathan, remember him? Well, turns out Rory only had days to live, so Nathan is taken out by a landing wheel of the plane and he's flattened like a bloody pancake. As credits roll. So, that was Final Desperation 5. Just let this franchise die already. Do not remake it. Do not bring out a bloody sixth one. Just let it die. This was bad in every single case. The CGI looks cheap, the acting is CW level acting and the deaths are just boring. Even though some of these effects were practical, they staged over the top of it making it look like absolute crap. I'm going to give this thing a 1 out of 10. An interesting idea which should have only been one movie only. Much like the Saw franchise, just like that die already, Jesus. So that wraps up the Final Destination movies next month. My destination will be transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> As I cover Rocky Horror Picture Show. As part of musicals in March, this includes Little Shop of Horrors and Hairspray. So don't forget to leave a like, comment, share, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pond or email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out my other horror podcasts of Psycho, Omen, The Fly, Underworld, Blade, and more. Also, my solo podcast of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Scream, Aliens, and many more. And a bye-bye. Now, don't be vain. If you wear glasses, stick to wearing glasses or try contacts. Don't be vain and have laser eye surgery, for God's sake. Now I'm off to look out my fishnets, platforms, and courses, and warning! Next week may include singing, dancing, and much more. A tatty bye!